Good morning. How is everybody? Good. Is it raining yet? Okay. When I got here at 8.30, it wasn't raining yet, but I guess it is now. Just started. Okay. Uh, Pastor Steve and his wife are in Florida, so he's taking a little time to be with his family. And we, but we still, we welcome you here to Grace. How many are here for the first time today? Okay, good. How many are here for the second time? Oh, okay. A couple. Okay, good. Good morning. My name is Danny, and I'll be bringing the message this morning. In Psalms, chapter, oh, Psalms. Genesis chapter 39, you know when you're, I don't know if you know this, but when you get up and, f- and speak in front of people, it's a little hard. <laughs> so, you know, you get nerves, you, you, you're, 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 you have anxiety, you have a lot of things going on, and you're, you're trying not to fumble, you're doing the best you can, and, but still, those nerves kick in. And I don't know if you've ever spoken in front of people, it's not the easiest thing to do, but be patient with me, and we'll get through this. It's not like I've done this never before either. Chapter 39 of Genesis, starting at verse 19. And we're going to read all the way through. So it was, when his master heard the words which his wife spoke to him, saying, Your servant did to me after this manner, that his anger was aroused. Then Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in the prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy. And he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever they did there, it was his doing. The keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper. And it came to pass after these things that the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their lord, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was angry with his two officers, the chief butler and the chief baker. So he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the prison, the place where Joseph was confined. And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them, and he served them. So they were in custody for a while. Then the butler and the baker and the king of Egypt, who were confined in the prison, had a dream. Wait a minute. Then the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were confined in the prison, had a dream, both of them, each man's dream in one, man, in one night, and each man's dream with his own interpretation. And Joseph came in to them in the morning and looked at them and saw that they were sad. So he asked Pharaoh's officers who were with him in the custody of his Lord's house, saying, Why do you look so sad today? And they said to him, We each have had a dream, and there is no interpreter of it. So Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell them to me, please. Then the chief butler told his dream to Joseph and said to him, Behold, in my dream a vine was before me, and in the vine there were three branches. It was as though it budded, its blossoms shot forth, and its clusters brought forth ripe grapes. Then Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup and placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. And Joseph said to him, This is the interpretation of it. The three branches are three days. Now within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your place, and you will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand according to the former manner when you were his butler. But remember me when it is well with you, and show me kindness. Make mention of me to Pharaoh, and get me out of this house. For indeed I was stolen away from the land of the Hebrews, and also I have done nothing here that they should put me into the dungeon. When the chief baker saw that the interpretation was good, he said to Joseph, I also was in my dream, and there were three white baskets on my head. In the uppermost basket were all kinds of baked goods for Pharaoh, and the birds ate them out of the basket on my head. So Joseph answered and said, This is the interpretation of it. The three baskets are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift off your head from you and hang you on a tree, and the birds will eat your flesh from you. 
Now it came to pass on the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, that he made a feast for all his servants. And he lifted up the head of the chief butler and of the chief baker among his servants. Then he restored the chief butler to his butlership again, and he placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker, as Joseph had interpreted to them. Yet the chief butler did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. Let us pray. Lord, I pray that you would come and be with me. Lord, we reverence you and acknowledge that you are King and God, creator of this world. We request, request from you that you would help us to divide the word properly and to feed the sheep. And we rejoice at the things that you're going to do. May your word not only be heard, but obeyed. Open up our eyes and our ears to hear the things of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you know me, you know that I like watching movies and DVDs. And I have a few DVDs at home. The first DVD I owned was called The Rock. It's a great movie, and it has a great cast of actors. Sean Connery, all the James Bond movies. Um, Nicolas Cage and uh, Ed Nelson, I don't know, Ed, Ed uh, Harris, who was in uh, Apollo 13. Maybe you remember that movie. It was a great movie. And what happens is, is this vengeful general seizes control of Alcatraz Island. The movie was filmed right here in San Francisco. And what happened is it's been taken over. And so they need someone to help them that had escaped from Alcatraz off the record. So the FBI go and they get Sean Connery. He's a prisoner. And the FBI need help. They need his help. So Special Agent Nicholas Cage is interviewing prisoner Sean Connery. And during the interview, Sean Connery mentions the name of four famous men. He mentions Alexander Solzhenitsyn, Nelson Mandela, Al Khamenei's, and Sir Walter Raleigh. All four of these men had been imprisoned and mistreated wrongfully. I went on the internet and I looked it up. I didn't know that Alexander Solzhenitsyn was a Russian dissident and that he had been imprisoned for 13 years for criticizing Joseph Stalin in a letter. I didn't know that Nelson Mandela spent 27 years in prison for speaking up against apartheid in South Africa. These men were all mistreated and wrongfully imprisoned. I have been honored to know Pastor Richard Wormbrandt. He spent 14 years in communist prisons for speaking and preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. He was a man of God. And in his books, he's written one called Tortured for Christ, another one is this one, In God's Underground. He talks about his experiences and he was tortured and burned with hot poker irons, tormented at night with, with rats, um, beaten and whipped, cruel things. And when he testified before the U.S. Senate in 1967, he took off his shirt and he looked like a human sieve. He had all kinds of holes in his body from being tortured. When he came and preached in our church, I'll never forget he sat in front, and he sat down to preach because of the torture he had endured. And when he preached, he took off his shoes because they hurt. But yet he loved God. He loved God and went through all that suffering for two years. He says here, I was in solitary confinement for two years and had nothing to read. I had only my thoughts for company. And I wasn't a meditative man, but a soul that had really known quiet. I had God. But had I really lived to serve God, or was it simply my profession? It's a great book about suffering for Christ. God allows suffering and mistreatment 
Not all suffering is the result of sin. I'm going to say that one more time. Not all suffering is the result of sin. God allows suffering. If you look in your outline, it says there, there's five reasons. One, to build character. Two, to be sensitive to the needs of others. Three, to prevent pride. Four, to reveal the evil nature of mankind. And five, to spread the gospel. God allowed Joseph to suffer and be mistreated. Uh, Last year, I spoke on Genesis 37. I don't know if you remember. It was called The Dysfunctional Family. And in that, I preached about Joseph having a dream. And he tells his family that one day, he's going to rule over his parents and his brothers. Do you remember? Okay, one does. One person. And his brothers become jealous. They become so jealous that that jealousy turns into hatred. And they get him, and they throw him into a pit, and they sold him into slavery. Do you remember how much they sold him for? How much, Mario? Three? Thirty? Too high. Who said twenty? Twenty. Okay, good. You redeemed yourself. Twenty, 20 shekels of silver they sold him. You're getting confused with somebody else. And in chapter 39... After Joseph is sold into slavery, Potiphar buys him as a slave. And Joseph is placed in charge over all of Potiphar's affairs. And God blesses Potiphar because of Joseph. Everything is going well. Joseph is promoted. He's the top man. And the Bible says that God was with Joseph. In Genesis 39 too, God was with Joseph. But there is one drawback. Potiphar's wife is there. And the one drawback is that Joseph is handsome, the Bible says. He is good looking. Some of the women might say he was a hunk. And Potiphar's wife noticed, and she tried to seduce him. Not just one time. The Bible says daily she tempted him. But he refused. He said, no, 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 no. I'm not having any of that. And then one day, when nobody was in the house, as Joseph was doing his duties, she grabbed him and said, come, lie with me. And Joseph left the house, left his robe, and fled naked. And like I said last year, better to lose your robe than to lose your righteousness. Victor Hugo wrote, hell has no fury like a woman scorned. Can you imagine what happened next? She probably tore her clothes. She probably disheveled her hair. And then she probably, and then the Bible says she screamed. She screamed. And she lied to her husband. And she said, that Hebrew that you brought here came in to lie with me. Here is his robe. And when Potiphar saw that, he was angry, the Bible says. He was so angry that he took Joseph and cast him into the prison. Joseph is totally innocent. Totally innocent. Nothing seems to make any sense. What do you do when life doesn't make any sense? What do you do when you have done nothing wrong? What do you do when you are being mistreated? In the world, they have many cliches. One is, when you get to the end of your rope, tie a knot and hang on. I like this other one. Just grin and bear it. Just grin and bear it. Another one is, and I heard this one the other day by my daughter, cheer up, it could be worse. And one of my favorites is, when life Hands you lemonades, lemons, make lemonade. Yes. Right here in this chapter, we see that Joseph has been stripped of his robe. He's been sold into slavery. He's been slandered and accused of rape. And now he's sentenced to prison. The question is, where is God when all of this is going on? I can see God in the good things when Joseph is promoted. But where was God 
when Joseph was put in prison. Genesis 39.23 says the same thing as Genesis 39.2. The Lord was with him. The Lord was with him. God was there in the good times and the bad times. You see, in life, when you do what is right, you're rewarded. That's fair. And when you do what is wrong, you're punished. That's fair. But what happens when you do what is right and you're wrongfully mistreated? What do you do when nothing seems to make sense? Today I want to preach on the subject, living for God when nothing seems to make sense. Three simple points. One, don't demand to understand. Two, don't stop serving. And three, don't bow to bitterness. The first point, don't demand to understand. I want to ask you a question. In the little bit that we've read, had Joseph sinned? No, no, he did nothing wrong. As a matter of fact, he did the right thing. He did not commit adultery. He did not commit sexual immorality. But he was falsely accused and cast into prison. And that's when Satan comes and he whispers in your little ear, where is God? What good is it to serve God? I'm going to tell you, there are going to be times in your life when things don't seem to make any sense. If you turn to Proverbs with me, Proverbs is right in the middle of your Bible, Psalms, Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 3. And if you have a pen, this is a great verse to underline. It's okay to write in your Bible. Underline this verse, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. Notice that it says, lean not on your own understanding. It doesn't say, don't try to understand. But it says, lean not on your own understanding. What does that mean, lean not? It means, don't be demanding of God. You know, sometimes we go through tough times. And we kind of go to God in prayer. And we say, God, if you don't give me this, if you don't answer this... I'm not going to serve you anymore. I'm not going to love you. That's leaning on your own understanding. When difficulty comes, try to understand, but don't demand to understand. I said, when difficulty comes, and believe me, it's going to come. You are not immune from that. Turn to Isaiah 50, just a few books over. Isaiah chapter 50, verse 10. Isaiah 50, verse 10 says, Who among you fears the Lord? Who obeys the voice of his servant? Who walks in darkness and has no light? Let him trust in the name of the Lord and rely upon his God. Prophet Isaiah is saying in this verse that you can serve God, you can obey his word, and still have darkness. That's what it says. Who walks in darkness? What is darkness? That's suffering. That's trouble. That's distress. You can follow God. Who among you fears the Lord? Who obeys the voice of the Lord? You can follow God and still have darkness in your life. Trouble is going to come. Don't have the distorted idea that the Christian life is a, is a bed of roses. 
that it's health, wealth, and happiness. Name it and claim it. I will always understand because that is a lie. That is a false gospel. That is not true. Oh, you'll never get sick. That's not true. Many of the saints suffered. Many of the saints suffered. Job suffered. And he lived in darkness. He went through some very difficult times. And in chapter 3, verse 1, don't have to turn to it, he curses the day of his birth. Job was perplexed, but he didn't curse God. In Habakkuk 1, Habakkuk couldn't understand why the Babylonians were getting away with all their wickedness, sin, and brutality. Habakkuk was perplexed. And in verse 3 of chapter 1, he says, Why do you tolerate wrong? Why does wickedness go unpunished? Habakkuk couldn't understand it. He was perplexed. John the Baptist, who was a man of God, Isha Elohim in the Hebrew. Jesus said that there was no one born of a woman greater than John the Baptist. He had announced the coming of the Messiah. He baptized Jesus, right? But now he himself was suffering in prison. And he sent disciples to ask Jesus the question, Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect another? John was perplexed. And let me tell you something. John was hardcore. John wore uh, camel skins. He ate locusts. He lived out in the wilderness. John was hardcore. He was on fire for the Lord, wasn't he? He was compared to Elijah. Elijah called down fire from heaven. <laughs> That's pretty good. But John the Baptist here is perplexed. That tells me apostles can be perplexed. Prophets can be perplexed. In 2 Corinthians 4.8, the apostle Paul wrote, We are perplexed, but not in despair. I looked up that word, perplexed. It means puzzled, confused, uncertain, hard to understand. Job, Habakkuk, John the Baptist, the Apostle Paul, the disciples, you, me, there are going to be times when you don't understand. You know, I was thinking about this yesterday. In Acts chapter 12, King Herod beheads James and he arrests Peter. And I started thinking about that. Why, why is one beheaded and the other one not? And then later on, an angel comes and releases Peter out of prison. Remember that story? In Acts chapter 12, why one and not the other? Don't demand to understand. Things, there are going to be times when things don't make any sense. And if you don't understand, that's okay. If there is suffering, God has allowed it. But you must depend on his word and not on your feelings. Why? Because your feelings change. Your feelings go up and down. But his word does not change. Isaiah 40, verse 8 says, The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Amen. You want to hear some good stuff? This writer, Reuben Welch, said, With God, even when nothing is happening, something is happening. That's so true. That, that's deep, dude. That is deep. That's so true. When, even when nothing is happening, something is happening. Look at the world around us. Look at the politics that are going on right now. You look at the politics and you look at things happening, and if you're like me, you scratch your, your head and you say, where is God? I have a friend, a dear friend, that I've known for about 20 years. And she was driving down 101, and, and then you take 92 like as if you're going to Foster City. And as she was taking the ramp, a eucalyptus tree branch fell and basically decapitated her in half. And she's a Christian, goes to PCC in Foster City, mother of three. 
you scratch your head and you say, I don't understand. And then you, when you're in my kind of line of work, you, you see all the drugs, the crime, the murders, the shootings, and you try to understand, and you can't figure it out. A couple years ago, there was a 10-year-old boy who was practicing piano in Oakland, and there was a robbery that occurred, and they shot a bullet, and the bullet went through the wall of this piano practice place, and it could have struck him in the arm. It could have struck him in the leg. And then I started thinking, there's this big old piano there. It could have struck the piano. And do you know where it struck him? It struck him right in the back in the spine. And now he's paralyzed forever. There are some things that you are not going to understand. Maybe you've even lost someone dear to you, close to you. And you're looking at... Why? What's going on? There are things that you cannot understand. Isaiah 55, 8 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. The point is, Joseph didn't understand. The first point, do not demand. Don't demand to understand. Secondly, don't stop serving. Turn to Genesis 39, 22. Genesis 39, 22. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever they did there, it was his doing. The keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper. Chapter 40. It came to pass after these things that the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their lord, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was angry with his two officers, the chief butler and the chief baker. So he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the prison, the place where Joseph was confined. And the captain of the guard char charged Joseph with them, and he served them. So they were in custody for a while. <clears throat> we aren't told here what the butler or the baker did to offend the king, but the duty of the baker was to do what? To cook. So I'm thinking... It probably had something to do with the cooking. He probably, I think, burned the food. The, the lamb was probably a little bit too, too barbecued, too, too burned. And then the, the, the butler who had tasted the food probably said, oh, it's okay. Anyway, I don't know. Whatever it was, it was so bad that Pharaoh got angry. And he said, get out of my sight. And the cupbearer and the baker are brought to prison. Right there where Joseph is. Now Joseph, I want you to notice something. He isn't playing the victim. He isn't there, <laughs> why am I in here? Oh, woe is me. No, just the opposite. He's in charge. And if you look at verse 4, it says, And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them, and he what? He served them. He served them. Serve, I looked up that Hebrew word. It means to minister to, to serve, to wait on, to attend to. Kind of like what Sam does now for Panita ever since the baby was born. <laughs> kind of what Dudley does for Keith since you're retired. Right? No? <laughs> but I want you to know that Joseph goes into this prison... And then look at verse 5. But the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt who were confined in the prison had a dream, both of them, each man's dream in one night and each man's dream with its own interpretation. Verse 6. And Joseph came into them in the morning and looked at them and saw that they were sad. 
So he asked Pharaoh's officers who were with him in the custody of the Lord's house, saying, Why do you look so sad today? They were sad. They had long faces. You know, since I work at Juvenile Hall, I've seen people locked up. And when I go by the hall and I'm looking through the windows, you know, they're not there at the window smiling, waving. No, usually I have to look in. And they're sitting on that cot all down and depressed and sad. They're kind of thinking of the thing that they did. They're not in prison all happy, you know, dancing in the cell, you know. No, no. They're down. They're depressed. They're sad. And that's what they were doing here. But I want to ask you, who was worse off? Joseph or them? Them? They were in there for how many days? Three. How long was Joseph in there? They were, Joseph was in there much longer. Joseph was in there for years. Years. He was in there for two years. So looking at it, whose plight was worse? Joseph or theirs? Joseph's. Two years is a long time. And they're sitting in there. And Joseph's plight was worth off. But if he was just thinking of himself, if he was just thinking of number one, he wouldn't have noticed them sad and dejected. No. But he notices them. And the point is here is that when your heart is right with God, it is remarkable how sensitive you are to the needs of others. Joseph was tuned in to people's needs. He was concerned with these two strangers. He had a people attitude. Now, the cupbearer, which was the butler, they usually had a close relationship with the king. The cupbearer, or the, or the butler, had the king's ear. Remember Nehemiah? Nehemiah was a cupbearer. And when the king noticed that Nehemiah was all sad, he says, Nehemiah, why are you sad? And Nehemiah is all down, and he prays, and then he tells him, and so the king says, what do you want? What is your request? And he says, I need to go to Jerusalem. I need to go help rebuild the wall. So he gets some time off, a sabbatical, and he goes. The, the cupbearer usually had a bond with the king. Now, what was the cupbearer's duty? The cupbearer's duty was to taste the food and to drink the wine before the king. Why? Why did he have to test the food and to drink the wine? To see if it was poisoned. Correct. And what happened if the food or the wine was poisoned? They died. The cupbearer died. So it was so long cupbearer, but long live the king. Yeah. He was a nice guy, but the king's alive. Now, did Joseph say in verse 8, well, I'm sorry about your situation, but, you know, I've got, I got my own problems. That's just too bad. I, you know, I can't think about you. I, I have my own problems. Is that what he said in verse 8? No, look at verse 8. After he asked them why they're so sad, they said, we, have a, we each had a dream and there is no, no interpreter of it. So Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God? Tell them to me, please. Joseph said, what can I do to help? And by the way, I like how he witnesses for, for God. <laughs> Did you catch that? Don't interpretations belong to God? We could do that every day, too. How's it going? Isn't this a great day God has made? This is a beautiful day that, that God has given us. You know what I realized here? It's about God's glory. And it's not about us. We err when it becomes about us. It's not about us. And whatever ministry you're in or whatever thing you're doing, if it's about you, then it's wrong. It's all about God's glory and what's done for him that will last. Here's a man with his own problems, a man who's been stripped, sold, slandered, and sentenced, and he's helping others. He's listening to them. He makes himself available. Are you available? 
Are you listening? Are you helping others? Are you ministering? Or is it all about you? You ever been with people that all they do when you go talk with them, it's just all about them? It's just, I mean, you don't even get a word in. How fun is that? That's no fun. I mean, they just tell you everything that's going on about them. It's all about them. See, you can't do that. You have to listen. You say, I don't know. I'm not good at counseling. It's not your ability or your inability. It's your availability. Are you available? Jesus in Matthew 20, 28 said, The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus came to serve. The point is, is that Joseph didn't stop serving even when he didn't understand what was happening. Joseph wasn't a fair-weathered Christian. I've seen church members, as far as, as long as everything's going well and everything's good, they're there, they're serving, they're ministering. But as soon as trials or trouble comes, they drop out, they're gone, they're history. Things don't go exactly the way they want, they're out of there. They hit the, they, they're gone. Don't stop serving the Lord. Don't stop praying. Don't stop playing. Don't stop giving or ministering or witnessing or cleaning or cooking or helping or teaching, counting, ushering. Is there anything I missed? Singing. That's, that's, that's good. Don't stop serving the Lord in what you're doing. Joseph interprets the, the butler's dream. And in verse 13, he basically tells the, the butler, you're going to live. But then he also interprets the baker's dream. And what he tells the baker, you're going to die. You know what? Joseph is a man of integrity. That's why he wouldn't go to bed with Potiphar's wife. Joseph tells the truth. You don't tell people what they want to hear or something to make them feel good. You tell them the truth in love. And that's what he did. Joseph told the baker, your days are numbered. That wasn't easy to swallow, to do. Joseph could have lied. He's going to die in three days anyway. He could have said, ah, nobody will know. But he didn't. He told the truth. He was honest with the man. And sometimes that's what you have to do. You have to be honest. And everything happened just like Joseph predicted. Look at verse 20. Now it came to pass on the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, that he made a feast for all his servants, and he lifted up the head of the chief butler and of the chief baker among his servants. Then he restored the chief butler to his butlership again, and he replaced, and he placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker, as Joseph had interpreted to them. Three days later, just like Joseph had, had interpreted, they're gone. Can you imagine right here how Joseph must have felt? He's excited. He's, everything happened just like he predicted. He's thinking, the butler has the king's ear. He's going he's gonna to talk to them. I ministered to him. I interpreted his dream. I helped him out. I gave him hope. He was in the prison here with me in this terrible cot. Now he's back in the palace. Yes! It's just a matter of time. Days! I'll be out. I'm going to be free. He was excited. He's going to put in a good word for me. Joseph didn't stop serving because he had a people attitude and because he was available. So the first two points that we've said so far. Don't demand to understand. Two, don't stop serving. And thirdly, my last point, don't bow to bitterness. Look at verse 14. 
Then Pharaoh sent, no one, 14. But remember me when it is well with you, and please show kindness to me. Make mention of me and get me out of this house. For indeed, I was stolen away from the land of the Hebrews, and also I have done nothing here that they should put me into the dungeon. Joseph interprets the dream, and he asks the cupbearer, what? To remember him when it is well with you. In other words, hey, I helped you out. Can you put in a good word for me? Can you remember me when everything goes well for you? You ever done that when you're trying to get a job? Hey, can you put in a good word for me? I, you know, I'm looking for work. And then Joseph explains even more. He goes, I was stolen away. I was sold. And, and then I was thrown into this dungeon. But what happened? Instead of being remembered, what happened? Verse 23, the last three words. He was forgotten. That's absolutely right. He was forgotten. Instead of being remembered, he was forgotten. The butler forgot him. And the truth is, friends, and I'm going to say this just straight out. Friends and church members will let you down. There are going to be times when man lets you down. But what stands out is that Joseph did not bow to bitterness. There isn't any hostility. There isn't any anger. He doesn't even get angry. He doesn't say, oh, my no good stinking brothers got me into this mess. If it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be here anyway. No. He doesn't say that foolish Potiphar because he believed his wife Lady got me in this trouble. That's why I'm in the prison. No. He doesn't say, oh, that hoochie mama slandered me and accused me. That's why I'm here. No. He doesn't mention any names. He doesn't bow to bitterness. Joseph didn't bow to bitterness. In 1 Peter chapter 20, 1 Peter Chapter 2, verse 20, I'll read it. says, For what credit is it if you, when you are beaten for your fault, you take it patiently? But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. Peter wrote that you find favor with God when you are mistreated or unjustly wrong and you endure it. You find favor with God then. If you do something wrong and you get in trouble, well, that's what you deserve. But when you don't deserve it, you're, it's undeserved. And you endure it. Then God commends that. We need to be careful with bitterness, brothers and sisters. Have you ever been around bitter people? Ugh. They are not fun to be around. One of the greatest tests in life isn't how you react when you suffer for doing wrong. But one of the greatest tests in life is how you react when you suffer for doing right, for righteousness' sake. Maybe some of you have been misjudged. Maybe some of you have been abandoned by some friends. Maybe some of you have been falsely accused, like Joseph. Maybe even let down somebody close it hurts it's painful C.S. Lewis said pain is God's megaphone he whispers in our pleasures but he shouts in our pain that is true he shouts in our pain our natural reaction if that something like that happens to us, is to get discouraged, get disillusioned, get angry and, and bitter. But Joseph did not have an attitude of bitterness, and that's why God was with him. We, something happens to us, we get all mad, bitter, and that's the flesh. Many of us fall because of the flesh. Our flesh is the enemy of God. The Bible says not to walk in the what? In the flesh. Can the flesh please God? 
No, you can never please God in the flesh. 1 John 2.16, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but of the world. And I want to tell you something. If the flesh is your friend, then you're going to have a life full of conflict. If the flesh is your friend, you are an enemy of God because you can't please God in the flesh. You say, wow, kind of going on kind of strong there. Listen to God. Let him speak to your heart. The devil will come and whisper to you. See what happens when you help people? See, you, you do something good and you help them out and see what happens? They forget about you. You're abandoned. See, what good is it to help people? What good is it to minister? What good is it to do something? And then they don't even... Remember you. Joseph waited for two years. He waited and he waited and he waited. Grief is a sorrow we carry in our heart, but bitterness is a chip we carry on our shoulder. That is true. I remember the prodigal son, the story in Luke 25. The older brother hasn't seen his younger brother in years and the prodigal son returns, and the father is overjoyed. He says, let's kill the fatted laugh. Let's, let's have a celebration. And when the older brother finds out, he becomes bitter. I want to tell you, I don't care who you are. I don't care what you've done. Someday, somewhere, you are going to have trouble. Rejection, anger, and bitterness will come into your life. Someday, don't bow to bitterness. Don't bow to bitterness. It will eat you up. And you'll be walking in the flesh. Let me ask you, are you holding on to bitterness? No church, no family, no fellowship, no Friendship, no marriage, no society can function without forgiveness. There has to be forgiveness. No matter what dungeon you're in today, God can meet you there. No matter what you've done. No matter how deep that pit is that you're in. God is deeper still. Living for God when nothing seems to make any sense. One, don't demand to understand. Two, don't stop serving. And three, don't bow to bitterness. In ending, the man who wrote the song that we're going to sing at the end of this message was written by Horatio Spatford. The song is It Is Well With My Soul. And you've probably heard this before. But this hymn was written after two major traumas in his life. The first was the Great Chicago Fire of October 1871, which ruined him financially. He had been a wealthy businessman. And then shortly thereafter, while crossing the Atlantic, all four of his daughters died in the collision with another ship and the only one that survived was his wife Anna and she sent him the now famous telegraph that said saved alone several weeks later Spatford's own ship passed the spot where his daughters had died and the Holy Spirit inspired him to write those words that speak of the eternal hope that we as believers have no matter what pain or grief befalls you on earth I can only imagine, I have three daughters, and to lose them all at one time, that's tough. But God is there with you. And he wrote, when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, that's a lot of sorrow. Whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my low.
my soul. Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control. Christ regarded my, my helpless estate and has shed his own blood for my soul. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part but the whole, is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh, my soul. O Lord, haste the day when my faith shall be sight. The clouds be rolled back as a scroll. The trump shall resound, and the Lord shall descend. Even so, it is well with my soul. Jesus was stripped of his robe. He was sold for 30 pieces of silver. He was slandered and accused falsely. And he was sentenced to die on the cross for our sins. The last week we celebrated Easter. And the fact is that the grave could not hold him. I want to ask you, do you have that hope that the song is writing about? If you were to die, would you be able to say, it is well with my soul? He can save you. Turn your life over to him and submit to him. It's not too late. Let us bow in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your holy word. And we thank you, God, that whatever trials we go through, whatever befalls us, Lord, you are there. That we are not alone. I thank you for your holy word. And I pray, God, that you would help us to apply it Help us to turn to you in times of struggle and to trust you and rely upon you in all things. Thank you for this day. Thank you for the rain. Thank you for your holy word. In Jesus' name. And all the people said, amen. Amen. Would you stand with me as we close?